This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. First, we have to give it up for our sponsor, Jubilance for PMS, the only supplement on the market to help relieve your emotional PMS symptoms. This supplement is produced by a woman-run company and is the only clinically tried supplement on the market for the emotional side of PMS. Just think if you could stop all the stressing and those anxieties that accompany PMS. It's totally possible with a supplement you take once a day. Learn more if Jubilance is right for you at jubilance.com. Today, we're talking to Carol Baskin, who you might know from the Netflix documentary show, Tiger King, or her turn on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, We're talking to her about life, big cats, and being portrayed on camera. So welcome, Carol. We're so excited to have you. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Thank you for having me, Alice. Um, So I just wanted to ask, first of all, what are you up to now that the world is starting to open back up um, and Florida is now completely open after the pandemic? The sanctuary is still closed because even though the people here are vaccinated, the cats have not been vaccinated. And it's my understanding there now is a vaccine available to the cats. But the problem is most of our population would be the equivalent of like a 90 to 120 year old person. And so our vet's just not really sure giving them that vaccine is going to be the safest thing for them. So we're kind of waiting on that. So we're not open back to the public anymore. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Did any of your cats catch COVID? I know that there's, uh, that they're like cats are able to get it. None of ours did. Thankfully, oh, good. there were a number in zoos and sanctuaries that did contract the virus. And it, it's the kind of thing, well, it's just like within people where it's an upper respiratory distress that would be really, really dangerous to cats that are as old as ours are. We have some cats out there that are 25 years old. You multiply that by six and that's what they'd be if they were a human. Wow. And I hope you guys were all okay with COVID too. Yeah. I don't think anybody here actually contracted it. Um, I've known an awful lot of people and I've had family members that contracted it, but nobody here at the sanctuary, thankfully. Okay, that's good. Um, And I wanted to start off with some more fun questions too. So I wanted to know, um, where do you get all of your clothing? Because it's amazing. It all matches. It matches the sanctuary. Your background is all leopard print. Like, that's incredible. Where, Where do you go shopping? Well, actually, I was going to ask the same of you because that is a tiger print shirt I had not seen anywhere before. <laughs> is that a jacket? It's a jacket. Yes. It's that a little hot, true. but I was like, I have to wear this. <laughs> well, to uh, not to uh, destroy the illusion here, but this is shower curtains over my green screen. Incredible. My daughter came up with that idea. <laughs> And then, you know, people know that I wear a lot of cat prints. And so every time somebody sees something in cat print, they send it to me, which has resulted in my closet being just overstuffed with cat prints. And then when I was on Dancing with the Stars, there's this company called Honey Me USA. And they sent me a whole bushel basket full of these kind of shirts. I love them. They're like these big, long, drapey, high wow. of your curves kind of thing. And they're all in cat prints. So I love them. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. And you also are iconically known for your flower crowns. Who makes those? Do you make those? I have made some of them. Um, This one was actually made by one of our online uh, mavens, Deb Quimby. I thought she did a beautiful job with these flowers. 
Oh my gosh, that's gorgeous. I bought several of them online, but the nice thing after Tiger King is you can find them everywhere. Whereas before Tiger King, they were really hard to find. Yeah, you are an icon now. Like everyone wants to wear a flower crown. (laughs) Maybe flowers are an icon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is uplifting right now during the pandemic. You can't wear flowers on your head. I mean, what kind of world is it? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Managing my stress levels. I take on way too much. I do way too many things. And every year I tell myself I'm going to do less and less. But I always seem to not meet that goal every year. I've removed no stress from my life. There is um, too much to do. If you're also trying to remove stress from your life, the only thing that has helped me immensely, more than anything, has been jubilance. Uh, This PMS supplement (laughs) is a lifesaver, and most of the stress that I have to deal with is on my period, and it helps me keep my cool, find my peace, and deal with my stress and manage it better. But now that I have jubilance to help me with all this stress, I was able to get everything I need to get done. I am not overwhelmed, and I can finally put this all away and just enjoy what 2021 has to bring. And you've had a number of different jobs throughout the years. Um, One of my favorites has been when you had a lawn mowing service with llamas. Can you talk a little bit about that? It's funny how the press has deemed that the llama lawn care business, which was never the name of it, but it could have been certainly. Um, It actually came from the real estate investments that I do. So I had been investing in real estate since 1984, I think. And we would turn in wherever we bought big tracts of land, we would turn llamas loose on those big properties because llamas are really easy to keep fenced in. You could pretty much draw a line in the sand and say, don't cross that line. And they're like, fine, we're fine here. Whereas any other kind of animal is just going to push right through a fence. And so that was how we actually ended up at a auction where we purchased the first bobcat that came here and started the sanctuary, Winsong was because we were there to buy llamas. <laughs> Amazing. That is so cool. Can you talk a little bit about Big Cat Rescue? Um, what have you guys been doing during the pandemic? So you're completely closed. Are you still able to have volunteers to help um, with all the cats? Yeah, and volunteer vets, not just individuals like, hey, I'll be your vet, <laughs> real vets. Um, but as a result of COVID-19, we had to let go half of our paid staff, and we had about 20 paid staff at the time. So huh. the people I had to let go of were people who were managing things like donor appreciation or doing outreach to schools and things like that. So we just, you know, we, we cut as many jobs as we could in order to keep taking care of the animals, which is something we have to do no matter what. And we have to do fundraising and that sort of thing to raise between three and a half and four million dollars a year to take care of those cats. Wow. The fact that we have 80 to 120 volunteers at any given time and always have, like since the 90s, that number has been consistent. It's always somewhere between 80 and 120 and they do all of the animal care. So they start showing up here around seven o'clock in the morning and they go out and feed all of the cats and clean all the water bowls, clean all the food plates and then pick up all the feces and then They make all of the enrichment for the cats so that the cats aren't bored out of their minds. They've got something to tear up or something, you know, blood sickles, um, like popsicles that are made out of frozen blood. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) we do a lot of that every day. Keep the cats entertained and keep them cooled off. And so thankfully, all of those things have continued without um, any detriment to the cats. But we've lost our tour revenue. So we closed our 
gates on March the 15th and have not been able to reopen them. And that's over a million dollars a year of our revenue. So that's why I was doing things like Dancing with the Stars and cameos and um, memos and get close and personal and all of those kinds of things to try and make up for that loss of income for the cats. Wow. Yeah, that's a huge operation. I can't even imagine. Like how many pounds of food do you go through every day? At our peak, we were going through 500 pounds of raw meat a day. Wow. Peak, we had 200 cats and currently we have about 50. So we had a huge number of cats from the 90s from all of the fur farm rescues that we did where we rescued 56 cats and then 28 cats and then 22 cats. And then, you know, all of these other cats came in usually in ones and twos or maybe six at a time. But um, as they have aged out over the years, what we've discovered is we can't rescue our way out of it. So we've tried mm -hmm. to focus on taking the best care we can of the animals that we have. And we do some rescues, of course. We still do bobcat rehab and release for native cats that are born in the wild. They're the only ones legal to set free. So we do a lot of that. Mm -hmm. In fact, we made a new kitten coming in today. <gasps> yeah, they're so precious. Um, but I don't know what the current food is right now. I'm guessing because we have 50 cats. So it's probably a quarter of that 500 pounds that we used to be today. Wow. That's, that's unreal. That, that, that makes it really expensive. And, and, yeah. and, and it's what? not just like prices of meat, like you think of when you go to the grocery store, because these cats need the whole animal. So whole prey like whole rats and whole rabbits are so much more expensive than just buying that much in steak wow oh that's interesting yeah i wouldn't think that they would need to eat everything yeah sadly their favorite thing is the brains they just go for that first and so twice a week they get whole prey oh my gosh <laughs> and what prompted you to start big cat rescue you know, my, my passion was always to save domestic cats and kittens from dying in shelters due to overpopulation. But when I was 17, I started doing rehab and release for native bobcats. They get hit by a car, that can fix them up in 30 minutes, but then you're talking months of rehab for them to get ready to go back to the wild. And so I started doing that when I was 17. And then I was like, in 1992, I would have been 31 is when we rescued that bobcat that was being sold to a taxidermist when we were there to buy llamas. And that led us to the fur farm rescues. And then people started calling and saying, would you take my lion, would you take my tiger? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with the tiger? Does your mother know you're doing this? <laughs> that was crazy to me. And stupidly, I thought, well, how hard could that be to fix, right? But it's taken us about 30 years and we're finally closing in on fixing it. But man, that's been a long, hard slog. Wow, that is amazing. That's so interesting that you were able to go from bobcats to these bigger cats. Um, and great that you're able to release the bobcats back into the wild. That's amazing, the work that you're able to do. That's the best part of our job is seeing them living the way they should live. Wow. I was actually recently in Yosemite and I saw a bobcat in the wild for the first time in my whole life. I, like I had seen them at the zoo because I'm from San Diego, but uh, to see it in the wild and it was like trying to hunt, it was just amazing. Wow. Oh, I'm so jealous. You know, yeah. I never see them in the wild unless they're broken. And when people <laughs> report to me that they've seen them doing their thing and being who they are, it's like, oh, I would love to see that. Yeah, it was pretty magical. I'd never seen anything like it. Mm.
They're, yeah. they're just, it's funny when you said, wait, well, you go from bobcats to tigers. There's nothing that's tougher than a bobcat. So if you can deal huh. with a bobcat, tigers are no problem. <laughs> really? Why? I think it's because tigers are at the top of the food chain and they don't have to prove themselves every day. Whereas a 20 pound bobcat is always looking to make sure that everybody knows that they're in charge. So they're just much more challenging and in your face than a tiger or a lion. Wow. That's really interesting. I wouldn't expect that. Yeah. And um, Carol, can you talk a little bit about going on Dancing with the Stars? I don't think anyone can forget the Circle of Life or Eye of the Tiger. Those were amazing. Your outfits were unreal. The sounds, the dancing. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? When Tiger King came out, of course, the media was all over us wanting to talk about it. And I wasn't willing to talk to anybody for a while. So I just put them all in a spreadsheet and figured at some point I would, <laughs> I would be able to deal with them. And my daughter looked at the sheet and she said, you know, I really love Jimmy Fallon and I love Dancing with the Stars. You should do that. And I thought, well, Dancing with the Stars sounds like, because I'd never seen it, so I didn't know how it worked. And I thought, if I could get somebody who is a celebrity involved with me on this show, then maybe we could help, they could help us get the Big Cat Public Safety Act passed through Congress because Congress always wants to know what celebrities are working on this with you. And so I didn't understand that I was supposed to be the celebrity because it never occurred to me till that point that anybody even thought of me in that way. And so they told me that I was going to have to learn how to dance. And I'm like, I've never danced a step in my life. There's no way I can learn how to do this. And so they sent me this video clip of Cloris Leachman, who was like 90 years old, I think, when she was on the show. And they're like, if she can do it, you can do it. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) I was wrong. (laughs) Cloris was a much more of an athlete than I was at 60. I think you did a great job. I love seeing it. It was, it was so fun. And like that, those amazing costumes and just like getting up there takes so much confidence. I think that's awesome. You know, the, the costumes were my favorite part and the ladies who did the costumes came to me really timidly and they were like, you know, we don't want to offend you or upset you, but, you know, we'd like to do some things that are a little bit different than we've ever done. And I said, as long as there's no fur, feathers or leathers, then you guys just knock yourself out. I don't care what you do. And they said they had more fun designing those costumes than they ever had. So it was fun to wear them and fun to see them enjoying being able to be so creative. Oh, that's amazing. And so for everyone in our audience who hasn't watched Carol's take on Dancing with the Stars, you have to watch her Circle of Life dance, which is so cool. And she is dressed like a lion. Um, It is so good. It's just so fun. Um, You'll all love it. And it'll bring a smile to your face. hours to do and my dance partner Pasha Pashko he actually had like the whole nose built out but his took even longer and he couldn't breathe the whole time he was out there he's having to breathe through his mouth because that was just suffocating him and yet he still did such a great job wow that's amazing and did you choose the music for it what they had asked me at the beginning was all of my favorite songs so I gave them a list of a dozen different songs and they they chose everything after that Oh, awesome. It, and it just fits so perfectly with you and like Big Cat Rescue. It's awesome. It was a lot of fun. And the people there were so sweet. In fact, we're doing a uh, premiere in LA in August for the Conservation Game, which is a film we worked on for five years. Same five-year period we were working on the people that produced Tiger King. 
And so we're going out there to help them promote it and um, have already reached out to the woman who had asked me to be on Dancing with the Stars. Her name's Deanna Katz. And so we'll be spending some time with her while we're out in LA because it's just like family now. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. And um, can you talk a little bit about being on camera? So you're on camera in this new documentary that's premiering, as well as Dancing with the Stars and Tiger King. Can you talk a little bit about having cameras in your life, in your face? <laughs> um, I got really accustomed to having cameras rolling all the time, but it was usually me holding the camera or hmm. directing the camera at the sanctuary because, like I said, politicians always want celebrities to have their pictures made with and to show their constituents that they're connected to celebrities. And so I figured, you know, we'll just make celebrities here because we weren't able to attract the attention of anybody who was a celebrity. And so I had a operations manager at the time named Scott and he was this attractive guy and really charismatic. And so Animal Planet was running a contest for Animal Planet's Hero of the Year Award. And we promoted him like crazy to be the hero of the year. We did all these videos of him at the sanctuary and on rescues and all of that kind of stuff to promote that. And it became just every day out here, there were cameras rolling on Scott, rolling on the volunteers. You'll hardly ever find a picture or video of me anywhere here at the sanctuary because I'm usually, like I said, behind the camera. But um, as soon as he became... Animal Planet Hero of the Year, he decided he had a career in film and left. <laughs> so I had to start over on our next operations manager, <laughs> the big star. And so whenever film crews have reached out to us, we've always said, sure, come out, welcome to film. We don't charge them anything for doing that. Sometimes we've worked with them for hours, sometimes days, sometimes years, like with the producers of Tiger King and the producers of the Conservation Game and the producers of Hidden Tiger. Those were all being worked on simultaneously over a five-year period. Wow. So we were just accustomed to having cameras rolling on everything. And our vets are really good about it too. Like we have, we have live cameras all around the sanctuary that are on the cats 24 seven, but we also have them in our cat hospital. So whenever they're performing a surgery, the cameras are rolling and recording everything and we're streaming it out to the public live. And so there's a huge level of transparency here and just a a sense that those cameras aren't even there. I mean, we just don't even hardly notice them anymore. Yeah, that seems like a great way for the public to learn more about big cats and about um, veterinarian medicine in general. That's interesting. And you were really the star of the show in Tiger King. Can you talk about your portrayal? Um, How did you feel about it going up on Netflix? We were shocked. Because in all of the years that we have worked with filmmakers, we've never had filmmakers try to um, twist things into the false narrative that Tiger King was. Mm-hmm. And you know, even though the, the people that we go up against, these animal abusers and people that kill tigers when they can't use them anymore, they have said horrible things about me for decades. But the media, when they research it and they find it not to be true, they usually don't expand on it. You know, they may say, and Joe says she killed her husband, but, you know, they don't try to make a big deal out of it because there's no big deal to be made. Mm. And even though the producers of Tiger King had asked me all of those questions and I had given them all of the evidence that should have made none of that important for their show, they just didn't produce that evidence and then instead allowed these people to just carry on ad nauseum about me 
without any kind of rebuttal. So it, it really shocked me that people would see that and believe it because I've dealt with them saying those kinds of things before and nobody ever giving them any kind of credence or believing it. But it was masterfully done. If you go to bigcatrescue.org slash Netflix, I've gone minute by minute through the video, especially that um, episode three. Mm -hmm. When you're seeing this on the screen, take notice of what you're seeing versus what you're hearing. And I had a guy that had um, actually done that yesterday that I was talking to. And he said, man, I felt so manipulated when I saw that even though they were allowing you to say something about pecking cats or whatever, the whole time they're showing you scowling into the camera or some slow motion kind of a thing, or, you know, having um, pieces of it interjected that weren't part of that actual conversation. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it was shocking to me that they would, that they would do such a uh, horrible thing to me and to the sanctuary community. They really seem to have tried their best to paint sanctuaries and zoos as being the same, even though we're polar opposites. Zoos are in the business of buying and breeding and selling. And some of them, there's about six of them where they pimp out the cubs for people to touch them. Mm -hmm. And it may take them off site for exhibits. Sanctuaries, on the other hand, are are barred from buying or selling or trading or allowing public contact or taking the animals offsite for exhibition. And so it, it just couldn't be any different. And yet that's not the opinion people came out of Tiger King believing. Mm. And it, that was sad. And I think the biggest loser in all of it was the tiger because at the end of Tiger King, it was like, and all of these people are just horrid and there's nothing we can do. And it's like, Absolutely not. There is so much we could do to end this abuse and to save the tiger before they do go extinct. And yet they didn't put any of that in there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking about that. I, I know it's it's difficult to see yourself on screen and um, and thank you for sharing all of that. Um, how do you like continue to deal with the notoriety that Tiger King has given you. There's the good and the bad. How, like, what advice would you give others when they're having a bad day or hearing terrible things about themselves? Um, what do you do to, to keep positive? I think I'm really fortunate in that I believe that we are eternal and that we all decide when we're on the other side of the veil what we're going to do in the next life. And we all kind of jump in it together. We're going to have the good guys and the bad guys, and we're all going to play our parts. But the whole purpose of that is to lead us all as a collective to a higher sense of enlightenment. And so I believe that everything is working together for good. And even though, you know, as soon as Tiger King finished airing and my phone started ringing with people screaming obscenities at me, I was at first shocked. And then it was like, all right, well, I didn't see that coming. But if that's everyone's experience, what can I do to take that and move forward toward our goal of saving tigers mm. and saving other big cats in the wild? So I think it's been helpful in that respect, because even though I don't think the show did a good job of explaining the, the situation that big cats are facing or what we could do to fix it, it at least gave me the platform to talk about it to people like, like you. So I think the bill is moving forward in a way that it might not have ever moved before. Sorry, all the pinging. I'm on a bed. Oh, yeah. So we've got a new bobcat that just came in. That's yes. Really weak. And so it's the vet talking to everybody about what to do. Oh, okay. 
Well, thank you, Carol. And can you just explain a little bit about the Big Cat Safety Act um, to our listeners and what that is? We decided back in the 90s, there was no way we could rescue our way out of this because these people that are pimping out cubs are producing literally hundreds of cubs every year and then farting them into backyards, basements as private pets, killing them when they're too old to be used, which is about 12 to 16 weeks, or raising them up until they're old enough to breed, breeding them a time or two, and then killing them for their teeth and their bones and their skins and all of those illegal activities. So we decided since, you know, I first tried to educate people who were abusing these animals as to better ways to feed them and house them and take care of them and how to raise money for their facilities that didn't include cub petting. And they didn't want to be educated. That was money was too easy for them and they didn't care about the animals. And so in the 90s, we started pressing for a federal bill that would ban the private ownership of big cats. And so it was called the, it went through a number of different names because it usually takes several sessions, but it um, ended up passing in 2003 as the Captive Wildlife Safety Act. And so what that did was it made it illegal to sell a big cat across state lines as a pet. So there were a number of parameters, but at least it slowed down the number of cats that were being bred and discarded. And ever since 2003, we've been trying to close that loophole and make it so that you can't own these cats and you can't pet these cubs. Great. So if you stop the cub petting, there won't be a reason to keep breeding and discarding cats. And as far as the ownership goes, people can keep the ones they have. They just can't buy or breed more. So that will die out over time. In the next five to 10 years, all of those cats in backyards and basements will have died out or they'll turn them over to legitimate sanctuaries when they can't use them for all of the crappy things that they use them for currently. So um, I'm, I'm really hopeful that it'll pass. It passed House for the first time ever with a two thirds vote in December of last year, but we ran time before the Senate got to hear it. So we had to start all over again. Of course. So we've got 200 members of the House signed on as co-sponsors now and 24 in the Senate. So we really think it's gonna happen this year. That's wonderful. And I really think probably Tiger King pushed that to the forefront and like you as Carol Baskin, um, leading the charge. I think that's wonderful. Um, well, actually, it's been, it's, it, that's what you would think, but it hasn't been the case because it's been really awkward for me to go in with our partners that are working on this bill because all people want to talk about is Tiger King if I'm there. People okay. are referring to it as the Tiger King bill. And when people hear that term Tiger King, all they think of is that train wreck. And then they're like, well, I don't want anything to do with anything that stupid. And okay. so it, it's really hurt. The oh man, that's, that's really too bad. Oh man. Um, and then something that we sort of end our podcast on um, each week is what is your definition of womanhood? Well, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, I don't know how to answer that because you may have um, heard in the news last year, everybody says that I came out as being bisexual. Mm -hmm. And what I said to the uh, magazine Pink was that I don't see a difference between men or women sexually or, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that we are all essentially the same and that we are all connected. And so it's really hard for me, like when I think of myself in this woman's body, 
I'm like, well, you know, that was an interesting cho choice of clothes for this time around. I don't know that this was the best thing because I would have much more power had I decided to come in the body of a man during this era. Uh, this might not be true in the next era of people coming up. So to say, you know, what does it feel or what do I think of the term womanhood? I, I think it's a construct that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, that's so interesting. Right. Thank you, Carol. <laughs> yeah. And then just one last thing. Um, how can people find out more about you and about Big Cat Rescue? There's two things they can do, or maybe three. Um, to find out more about Big Cat Rescue, all you have to do is search Big Cat Rescue. You'll find us everywhere. We have a website. We're on all of the social channels of Big Cat Rescue. The most important thing anybody can do right now if they are in the U.S. is go to bigcatact.com. And if they type in their name and address, it will look up their member of Congress and give them a preformed email, a preformed tweet, and a preformed script where they can actually call and ask their member of Congress to support the bill. And if you do it on the weekends or on after five o'clock, you're just going to talk to an answering machine. So it's not so scary. And it's five <laughs> minutes that the cat really need. And then finding about anything that has to do with me, if you just Google Carol Baskin's diary, you'll find out everything I've ever said or thought in my entire life. <laughs> amazing. Thank you so much for being on, Carol. It was amazing to get to talk to you. Thank you, Alice. I loved it. Mm -hmm.